Well, Jerome Powell has been giving his testimony on Capitol Hill and uh, like all the other Fed speakers over the last 24 hours, he's trying his hardest to calm the markets and reassure them that inflation won't last, so the Fed won't be tapering soon or bringing forward rate rises. It seems to be working. We've got another day of a weakening US dollar and rising equities, plus loads of PMIs today for Australia, Europe and the United States. Who will be the winners and losers? And the first words from the RBA since the strong jobs growth numbers last week. It's Wednesday, the 23rd of June, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, another positive day for US stocks. The Nasdaq up another half percent, 0.4 percent for the S&P 500. The Dow is also up a tiny bit. Another day with a slight fall in the US dollar. In fact, it's down a quarter percent. The Aussie is up a third of one percent. The euro is a quarter percent up. The pound up a little less than that. But the US dollar is up 0.3 percent on the Japanese yen this morning. And Treasury yields down a little, very little, really. A two basis point drop in 10-year yields. Oil down a bit as well. We've got a 0.8 percent drop in WTI. Brent is pretty flat, but it did peak at $75. It's below $75 now, but $75.30 is the highest it's been since early 2019. So in short, not a whole lot of uh, very much, really. <laughs> no big real moves unless uh, you include Bitcoin, which has been way up and way down. But uh, we'll, if we've got time, we'll get onto that. But let's uh, let's get Ray Atrell's take on all of this, head of FX strategy at NAB in Sydney. So there weren't any uh, surprises over the last 24 hours. And uh, Jerome Powell has been talking at, and uh, giving his testimony at Capitol Hill. A pretty straight message, wasn't it, really? Price increases will ease. There will be more people in work. So don't worry about it is basically what he was saying. We've heard that before. <laughs> no, morning, Phil. But uh, no, actually, I think that the, the various Fed officials that we've had have actually allowed markets to row back a little bit from the hissy fit, obviously, that uh, that followed mm. the, the pivot or whatever you want to call it um, last week out of the FOMC. So just skimming through, um, you know, who said what overnight. And obviously, Powell has been the highlight. But we also we heard from John Williams, the New York Fed president, shortly after you were making the podcast yesterday with Tapas. Um, we've had um, Mary Daly from the San Francisco Fed. We've had Loretta Mester, who traditionally has been regarded as, as fairly hawkish. And they all seem to be singing from the same uh, song sheet, which is a bit uh, atypical, I think, from, from what we've heard out of Fed officials in recent months. But I think, for me, the sort of the, the key lines for, from Jay Powell in Q&A after his testimony um, is that he expects strong job creation should arrive by the fall. So the fall in my book is September, isn't it, in, in, in the US. Um, yeah. We've had Loretta Mester saying that she expects more clarity in September on um, progress. Well, she was, she was, yeah, she was saying she thinks employment will pick up because uh, schools are going back in September. That right. was her reasoning. That's that. right. Mm. And then, as so I say, John Williams, sort of, you know, shortly after you um, you published the uh, the podcast yesterday, said that we are not close to the substantial progress. So, um, and then Mary uh, Mary Daly out saying that um, substantial uh, substantial further progress is within our line of sight. But um, so I think there's a pretty strong message there, and it's certainly consistent with the view that we've had that it'll probably be. September. We have to pick a meeting date where the Fed will say, look, we think progress is there and within a few months we can start tapering. I think all roads at the moment are still pointing to September. And, you know, given how mm. you know, violent a market reaction we had to the thought that, um, you know, maybe that process starts sooner, the implication being that maybe the process of lifting rates comes a lot sooner than we earlier expected. I think this has just allowed markets to uh, to breathe a collective sigh of relief. And it's pretty much showing up in, um, you know, if I look at the U.S., um, 
yield curve, we've actually had what we call a bull steepener here. So, um, you know, five-year yields, for example, are off three basis points and 10-year yields are off one and a half basis points. So the curve has actually moved in a, in a you know, in a, in a bull steepening way. It was obviously, it was that dramatic flattening that uh, that was mm. the, you know, the upshot, if you like, when the dust started to settle on, on last week's machination. So, um, right. you know, all that, could- all that but to say that um, is the global reflation trade really dead? And, and, you know, price action so far, this week in a very tentative manner suggests to me that uh, no it's not isn't isn't there a, a bit of that well they would say that in all of this isn't there you sort of like you know they saw the reaction uh, and they think well we want we want things to spin back a little bit from that so uh, so let's calm it down i mean pay, you know let's try and get everyone patient i'm not sure investors have much patience but that was one of the things jerome powell was calling for wasn't it in uh, in his testimony at capitol hill patience uh, is what he's, he's calling for so you know if they say that and everybody sings from the same hymn sheet as you say then you know maybe people will think well okay things are going to be okay but but, but but underneath it all they're probably still thinking oh we are a bit worried about inflation maybe it is going to happen we're going to have to act sooner than we were saying we're going to act well i think you know it's, what I'm uh, it's, a, it's a question of you know if, if you say the right words you provide sort of reassurance if you like so but i do think it, you know there clearly is uh, you know some divisions we don't say divisions they're not sitting there you know throwing rocks at each other around the uh, around the fomc table but obviously some um you know some fomc members and almost all of them are regional presidents not all of whom have a vote to remember have been those that are saying look i think this process you know maybe does need to be concertinaed and let's remember that what there are seven out of 18 um fomc members who put a a, a dot for a 2022 rate uh, rise in in yesterday yeah. in last week's dot plot for example so um you know so there's still you know a fair spread of opinion here but obviously you know i think the important thing is to say who should be really be listening to and i think you know powell williams and rich clarida um the vice chair are the three big guns on the fed and they seem to be you know certainly williams and powell are saying look we're we're probably several months away from saying that the substantial progress has been made and i think you know for me that is still the key takeaway even if you're going to have you know people like harker and kaplan still saying i think that process should begin um sooner rather than later so unlikely to see this, a repeat of the hissy fit then you reckon before before we start to see perhaps movement talked about in in september or maybe jackson old because of course that's late august i mean that's more or less september yes although uh, funny enough gavin and i were having a, a chat last night because uh, he was having to uh, to put together some presentations and talking about the fed and you know we've always said that um, there seems to be i would say it's a myth that in 2013 i think it was um ben bernanke then fed chair flagged the tapering of the uh, the Post QE, uh, sorry, the post GFC QE program um, at the Jackson Hole, and I've read that speech a few times, and I'm, uh, maybe I'm not just not smart enough, but I couldn't quite read exactly the line that said tapering is closed, right. and it didn't come to the next meeting. So, you know, to our mind, I don't think a, a speech at a conference is the place to be flagging a, a new policy, um, if you like, or a change in policy. So, for our money, it's still more likely that obviously they can talk about it at the July meeting, um, saying you know where they where they are in terms of progress but i still think the september meeting is more likely than that uh, kansas city emporium in august in terms of really firing the gun and saying guys we're just about there right. um, we think we're going to start one side or other of year end on the data front existing home sales in the u.s down again the fourth month in a row but i, th- I think it's because there's fewer houses going on the market isn't there and that's pushing prices up as well they you know 24 percent up year on year house prices in the united states so uh, that could easily be a temporary measure too couldn't it like inflation just you know there's people are just reluctant to sell
sell right now? Well, there is a little bit of that. So let's say existing home sales are off, are actually off 13% from their peaks and they're down mm. a little bit, but not quite as much as expected. There does seem to be, I know we've talked about this before, is that uh, this big structural move, you know, out of the cities into the suburbs is, um, there's not much evidence of it at the moment. So to some extent, no. I think home sales are slowing because there is less of that sort of gravitation, if you like, towards, um, towards more rural areas, at least anyway. But on the prices front, um, isn't it funny that um, just about every country in the world that has interest rates close to zero and is saying they're not going, mm. mortgage rates aren't going up for the next two or three years. Do you think, do you think there's a connection prices. between the two? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, certainly down here, um, you know, Tavis and Co have been saying that, you know, given the increased affordability represented by the decline in mortgage rates, you know, something like a 20%, you know, repricing of, of housing is, is, is totally justified. Look at New Zealand. Mm. It's, it's the best part of, uh, it's about 25%. The US, say 23.6%. Obviously, we're not there yet, but the trend is still clearly upwards. Um, we're in double-digit growth. So, um, yes. So, um, you know, mm. who'd have thunk it, really? Yeah. If, uh, if money's free, and we're going to go and buy a house. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, stamp duty holidays and all that sort of stuff might have helped a little bit in various parts well, of the world. And, and down well. here, of course, uh, the home builder has also added an additional yeah, layer exactly, of demand, because, remember? Of course, <laughs> yeah. Same deal. So Richmond Fed Manufacturing Index, that was up from 18 to 22. Still supply chain worries, of course, uh, because orders are up, uh, but they're having difficulty keeping up. And again, labour problems as well, just not enough workers. No, that's it. So actually, and one of the things that came out of the uh, the Fed commentary overnight from Powell was that um, you know he does think that once the um, you know the three hundred US dollar uh, supplementary sort of the pandemic unemployment assistance expires, it already is obviously in some states um, from this month, but officially ends in September. He does think that that is going to bring more people into the labour force. And the other, you know, the big issue obviously is uh, you know is childcare, and you know once childcare facilities are reopening, it's going to allow a lot of uh, families where they have, uh, you know, two income earners and one of them is at least is constrained because of childcare responsibilities. If, you know, that starts to come off, then again, we, we can expect to see an increase in labour supply. Mm. Um, but I think it's too soon to think that will come through in, in the next month or two's figures. And the Aussie dollar this morning, uh, up obviously because of the, the fact that we are seeing the, the US dollar falling, but most of that has happened in the last few hours. So what we're, we're getting 75 and a half, uh, 75.6 uh, US cents at the moment. I mean, are we going to get back up to 77? I mean, we were there just a little over a week ago. Is, is this going to continue? We're going to get back to 80, Phil. You know that, um, you yeah, know, you're when? perfect strategist. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've said this before, but uh, our illustrious boss at NAB said, Ray, never give him a date and a rate. But uh, <laughs> Well, one's all right. I mean, just, yeah. and, look, and, and we are, you know, we are doing a little bit of a walk of shame in FX strategy because we had suggested mm. that we could be up at 80 as, as, as early as the end of Q2. Now it's going to take a big move to get to 80 before the end of the month. But uh, the, you know, the, the essential point that we want to make is that it is hard to justify the currency down here, particularly given the strength of commodity prices, not withstanding the fallback that we've had uh, in the last week or two and risk sentiment um, you know it, it does seem to be cautiously recovering and that is also a positive so um, you know and let's remember you know last November December um, Aussie put on 11% in the space of six or seven weeks as did the New Zealand dollar so when foreign exchange markets decide to reprice they can move with, with an amazing speed so um, so yeah so we're still uh, sticking to our knitting if you like and still thinking that um, 
there's every chance that we're going to go back up certainly to the high 70s and then, then you know into the low 80s as we go through the second half of the year biggest risk to that view i would say would actually be what happens with the delta variant of the virus and if that really comes yeah. to delay the reopening or particularly of the european economy more fully in the second half and that you know that really impacts on the global growth um, narrative and the reflation trade that I think is, is the biggest single risk to our otherwise constructive views on the Aussie. Here. Well, uh, then maybe we'll see some of that. The global P- global PMIs today, isn't it? Australia and Japan, first of all, then UK and Europe later on, and then the US tonight. So, who are going to be the winners and losers in all of this? Yes, well, I think the view is that the eurozone service sector is expected to be the big winner as far as looking at mm. consensus expectations. Manufacturing still highly elevated in most parts of the world, but maybe having sort of pretty much close to peak. And so we'll be looking to see whether there's signs of a, a reorientation. And the UK, you know, potentially not doing so well, obviously, given the uh, the delay to the, uh, the the reopening that was scheduled for June. That well, it, was, it was scheduled for Monday, wasn't it? And uh, and that's obviously been delayed. So maybe the UK is a bit of an underperformer there. But, yeah, keen interest in all of those numbers tonight. Yeah. And Lucy Ellis, uh, the assistant governor of the RBA, she's giving a speech in Adelaide at lunchtime for the Australian Industry Group. That's going to be interesting, isn't it? Because the obvious question to ask her is uh, going to be, you know, what's the RBA going to do given that we had those very strong job numbers. No, absolutely. And this is the first speech by a senior RBA official since those stonking numbers that we had. So, uh, and she is, you know, in charge of, of economic analysis. So she think, you'd think she'd have a view, wouldn't you? So uh, we haven't got a title for the speech, mm. but I think it, it will undoubtedly have a macroeconomic theme. So pretty keen interest in that around uh, around lunchtime. And, yeah, and also, I mean, in amongst all of this as well, what's going to happen with minimum wages lifting up in, in Australia as well from mm-hmm. July? I mean, is that going to slow down employment recovery or is it going to boost spending take it take your pick well, on that you know, one. I mean, let's remember it's still the case that the rba's view is we need to see a three in front of wages growth to be confident that mm. inflation can sustainably rise into the two to three percent right so two and a half percent on uh, minimum wage in that sense doesn't uh, doesn't necessarily cut the mustard I don't yeah think. and god what a day for bitcoin today just very briefly it got up uh, it was below thirty thousand us dollars for the first time since late january uh, and uh, then it bounced back 13 percent in the last few hours oh. it's all over the place that's right well, I was I was thinking, you know, as I saw that it below thirty thousand, that uh, you're, you're wasted as a uh, as a podcast host, Phil, because your technical analysis skills and knowledge of death crosses um, suggest that there may be an alternative career for you at, uh, if this all uh, this all fails. <laughs> the Death Cross Podcast uh, coming soon. All right, great to talk. Catch you again soon. Well, Thanks, uh, Ray. Can't imagine being on the big bucks like Ray Atrial. That's it for today. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.